Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, plenty to play for at the Hong Kong Sevens. The Oceania Champions League returns. And we look at the inaugural Savai Games in Samoa. But first, the sacked coach of the Tonga Sevens team says he's not been paid during his 18 months at the helm. World Rugby suspended funding to the Tonga Rugby Union at the start of the year after key staff members, including the interim CEO, high performance manager and Ikale Tahi coach, was shown the door. Sevens coach Andy Kartua was informed by interim chair Fea Vunipula that he too was out of a job. It's been tough last couple of days and so, but we have the chairman, we have members of the board, and it was their call. And uh, they were selected to make decisions, and they're making decisions, and I'm wishing everybody all the best. I'd rather it be me, but I think uh, what we have in store here, the, the team that they're taking to Hong Kong, I think they'll, you know, I wish them all the best, and, and I hope they do well. How long were you coach of the Tonga Sevens team? I came on on October 2014. And your contract was until? It was through 2016. The goal, obviously, of getting the team on the World Series and obviously upcoming the Olympic qualifiers as well. Those were your objectives for this year. Absolutely. Those were what we've been working towards and putting in the hard yards. Kids were committed and TRU was committed to a certain extent. You know, their, their hands were tied with certain things as far as funding and what they can commit to us and all that. But, you know, my staff, we had managed to move ahead and get a lot of things done without the help of TRU. And um, now uh, they have the opportunity to move on to Hong Kong and see what happens. When were you informed that you were no longer coach? I was told that uh, there was going to be some movements going on. And then I think it was a couple of weeks ago that they made it official. What reasons were you given for your dismissal? Just from speaking with the TRU, they've decided to move in a different direction, and that's totally fine. I can't go into it any further. And right now, I just, just wish everybody the best, and I want I want people to continue to support Tonga Rugby. These kids have worked hard and made some tremendous sacrifices and some hard, hard situations to be where they are right now. The team that they're taking to Hong Kong, I think there's only two of those guys from my original team from New Zealand you know, that we lost in the final against Australia. But I think they've managed to put a real good team together, you know, with a different coaching staff and that. And, and I really, really wish them the best, to be honest with you. Absolutely. A lot of staff, not just yourself, obviously, have lost their positions and, and there's a lot of changes and there's a big meeting with World Rugby coming up. What would your message be maybe to Tongan rugby and Pacific rugby fans that are sort of looking on from afar and kind of wondering what's going on? You know, the problem that we're having, it's something that can be solved. You know, those issues can be resolved. There's always that outside chance of us not complying to what the standard is and, and what to comply within. I really think that there's a bright future here. You know, that's why I'm here. You know, there's so much potential here, so much to work with. And I think it's just a matter of everybody having the same goal, same mindset, putting their own differences aside and concentrating on what's better for, not the TIU, but what's better for the country. Instead of just everybody's own agenda because we're never going to get any better if 
we continue to do that. There is, of course, a Olympic final qualifier in June. I mean, is there still a chance that you could be involved come that tournament? I hope so. You know, we had two goals that we set out to reach. But, you know, I hopefully, hopefully, you know, uh, it'll work out that way. There's still a possibility. And then just finally, uh, one of the things that Fe'avoni Puller has said, obviously, is that with this funding freeze, no TRU staff have been paid since January. Is that the case for you as well? Have you been paid in 2016? I haven't been paid. You were paid up until the end of 2015, and then when this funding freeze came in place, no payments since then? I haven't been paid at all. You haven't been paid at all in 16 months in charge of the team? Yeah. That's the former Tonga Sevens coach, Andy Katoa. Tonga will, of course, be at the Hong Kong Sevens this weekend, competing in the World Series qualifier event. The Kingdom are one of 12 teams vying for one permanent spot on next year's series. Papua New Guinea are the other Pacific team competing in the qualifier. Their coach, Dougie Guys, admits they're a bit lacking in match play. In uh, having some difficulty in finding some outside competition on our region, so training here back at home and uh, organising some competition uh, and scrimmages for the last couple of months. So it's been very good. So you played at the Oceania tournament in New Zealand in November. Has the Papua New Guinea national team been able to compete together at any tournaments since then? Since then, we haven't had a tournament, so we're a bit undercooked on that front. We haven't had any much competition since uh, November. Okay, and uh, in terms of your squad, have there been any changes from Auckland? There haven't been any major changes. We've kept the majority of the squad since Auckland, but uh, just for form and a couple of injuries, made four changes. Two that were named actually in the Hong Kong team but couldn't compete because of uh, Olympic qualifier rules. Uh, they needed to have a PNG passport. Yes, uh, but they're back in the team now. Uh, George Mosso and Corset have been. Your pool, you've got Spain, Chile and Mexico first up. Spain have been in the past a team that won this qualifier and they've been on the full World Series. What do you know about the three teams you'll be coming up against in the group phase? Yes, uh, I've done a bit of research on the three teams and Spain will be the toughest uh, opponent in our pool. Uh, we've been working hard uh, looking at the game and uh, just the same as um, the focus we had um, in Hong Kong last year. We're going to take each game at a, at a time and play each team on their own merit. So um, Spain, they're, they're a pretty strong team. They're very experienced, uh, but I think they're a bit I think we've worked out a way that we can really penetrate the game plans. Yeah. I think they've been in a few for a couple of months now. We were supposed to go to a tournament there, but due to the cyclone, we shelved that idea. And what are the expectations for Papua New Guinea? Obviously, you want to win and you want to go on the World Series, but uh, how much expectation do you have for that to happen? Do you believe uh, you can win, or do you, yeah. you know, what do you, how do you approach yeah. it? Going on last year's form where we um, surprisingly uh, probably exceeded expectations making the semi-final and also beating the eventual winners, uh, Russia, in the pool matches. We're not, I wouldn't say confident, but we trust our systems that we've got in place that how we can handle the teams or much more, like you said, Spain has been on the circuit for a couple of seasons and have a more professional outfit. But I think we've, we've prepared well. And uh, we, at this stage, we're looking at group stages first. Whatever from there should be, we'll, we'll see what happens on the last couple of days. That's the Papua New Guinea Sevens coach, Dougie Guys. In the main event, Fiji will be defending top spot in the World Series standings as well as the Hong Kong title they won last season. Samoa, meanwhile, reached the Cup quarterfinals in Vancouver last month with only 10 fit players. 
Coach Damien McGrath is confident they can build on that performance. We've kept the 10 who played in Vancouver, who really impressed me with the way they stepped up against the odds. And then we've added Teela Mialoy, who had to come home because of the tragic death of his mum. Teela's now back available, which is a big plus for us. And we've also brought back uh, Siossi Asafalau, who did well for us in Wellington, but was then sent home for disciplinary reasons. Uh, he wasn't available for the last leg as part of his uh, punishment for being sent home. Siossi's now back in the fold. So for the players we have fit, that we're as strong as we could be. So, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to the team playing well together. And I guess uh, Hong Kong, of course, is uh, you know one of the most iconic tournaments. Always an exciting uh, chance to go up there. Of course, it's it's the Blue Ribbon event. It's the one I think everybody wants to play at. And we desperately love to do well to try and emulate at least what we did in, uh, in Vancouver. We're hoping that we can iron out some of the inconsistencies that have cost us. We've been working really hard on that and take another step forward for the team. What did the um, improved effort in Vancouver, uh, what did that do for the team, obviously, uh, you know, making the, the, the quarterfinals? Has that sort of put a little bit of confidence and uh, extra faith that there is some progress yeah, to make? Yeah, absolutely. It's instilled a little bit of belief. We've shown that on a one-off occasion we can beat Fiji, we can match it with the big boys, but in Vancouver we beat the fringe teams who were around us, I was always confident we could best like Kenya, Scotland, who were around us in the uh, in the World Series. We put up a really good show against New Zealand and then absolutely took USA to the cleaners in the plate final. So to beat teams and, and to match teams you know, of the, of the like I've just mentioned has obviously just given the boys a little bit of belief in, in themselves and in what they're doing. And it proves that in those games where we can eradicate our small errors that always cost us, then you know, we're a team that are hard to beat. And of course, it wouldn't be a tournament on the World 7 Series of uh... Samoa and France weren't pulled together. You've got them, you've got uh, Kenya, and of course you've got New Zealand as well. So what do you make of uh, the opponents? We certainly don't get any favours in but the draw. You know, we prove we can beat Kenya. France, you know, we, we seem to be just follow them around or they follow us around. They've proved to be a bit of a bogey team for us. We've only beaten them once despite playing them several times this year. So we've got a point to prove there. Because we finished as plate winners, we're not playing the best team in the group, which are New Zealand first game up. So it gives us a chance to get out the traps and start strongly. So we're, you know, we're targeting Kenya and France uh, with good performances to start with. And then that should give us confidence to go into the game against New Zealand. You've talked about obviously cup quarterfinals as, as a minimum for each of these events, having done that in the last tournament, second time this season. Uh, do you try and target now minimum semis or do you take it each game as it comes at this point? Our goal is still minimum quarterfinals and we've missed out through different reasons in a couple of the legs we proved this time round that we could do it if we're fortunate enough to get through the first phase without any disruption through injuries then you know we're confident we can do that and if we get into the quarterfinals I think we're a team that nobody would like to draw because you know on our day we can match anybody That's the Samoa Sevens coach Damien McGrath Vanuatu club champions Amakal FC are again aiming high in their quest for a maiden Oceania Champions League football crown. Club owner and president Andrew Leong has recruited heavily from overseas. Italian Mauro Batoni is also a new face in the coaching box. Andrew Leong says foreign recruits raises the standards across the board. I always try to get the players to uh, compete against uh, all the other clubs in the Oceania. Obviously, uh, Auckland City is the team to beat since they've been a champion, and we've been meeting them a couple of times. They know Amical, we know Auckland City. We've been twice to the final with them. And I know you, as the owner, have invested a lot of money in getting some top players from around the Oceania region into your squad, and lately you've got a lot of Italians and, and, and from other countries too, South America, um, so you've really you know, put your money where your mouth is and, and tried to make the strongest team possible and become an absolute genuine contender for that title. I just want to put a benchmark around uh, the Oceania, it's not easy um, in the Pacific Island. 
I've learned in the, in the past few years that lack of coaching, uh, lack of uh, professionalism, lack of uh, educated um, players from um, early age to the senior level, just to bring other players with big caliber and big experience uh, in the other part of the world, uh, puts a benchmark for Amical and uh, especially uh, to compete in the Oceania League um, against uh, a top-level team like Auckland City and other clubs in, in the region. What does it do when you have players from so many different countries and so many different styles coming into a squad like that? Do you find it easy for the squad to mesh or, I mean, how does that work, integrating all those different cultures and styles? It's not easy because uh, different players come from different regions of the world and uh, different mentality, different um, culture, different style of playing football. But um, I always bring, try to bring early, at least uh, be three months or four months together and try to have a mixture in the team and in the style of games. And I believe football comes with a bit of um, a technical um, style structure of game. The main thing is the mental. I mean, if we are strong mental, if the spirit is strong, if everyone understands each culture, we can succeed, you know, in, in football. What do you make of the standard of the O-League? In years gone by, some of your fellow owners, the likes of uh, John Capinato at uh, Hikari and, and others who have also put a lot of money into their teams, have suggested that this competition could go professional and these games where you could get big crowds at home potentially, obviously you don't. I mean, these three pool, A, B, C, and four teams in one pool, and we play each other, and uh, obviously they just pick the first stop uh, in each pool to go to the semis and get the second best uh, runner-up to go to the semis with the three uh, top. That's pretty hard. They should have do uh, four pools and try to change the format uh, home in the way game because in the island, football is big, uh, crowd is bigger. And uh, financially, too, it's, it's better for a club to play home in the way. Like going to New Zealand and spend uh, two weeks, OFC only pays um, 25 tickets for the clubs, and we have to pay the rest uh, expense, like the hotel, food, and, and the rest. It's expensive. By the time you finish the tournament and you don't even get qualified, it costs you already 100,000 uh, New Zealand dollars, you know? OFC has to understand that and change the format and uh, give uh, opportunity to the islanders to see uh, top football and also um, the crowd and generate um, some cash for the clubs to enter, you know. OFC pays for 25 flights. They don't cover accommodation or, or meals or anything like that? They don't. And this year, they just introduced an entry fee that you have to pay $10,000 and $5,000 as a deposit, you know. It's hard to play three games and if you lose, then you just have to go home and you lose your ten grand. Who gets the gate receipts for anyone that comes to watch the matches? In New Zealand, it will be OFC. We're playing QB Stadium this year, and uh, we, we don't get any gate taking, nothing. So it's a very expensive um, exercise, it's an expensive tournament. And uh, for me, uh, if we want to go professionalism uh, football and try to encourage and try to get some good football in the islands, and uh, of course in New Zealand, I mean, OFC has to uh, decide what, what sort of direction they want to put the level of soccer in, in the region. If you had a sold-out match at home, a big game, how many people could you get turning up? In Vanuatu, it would be 10,000 in the stadium and another maybe five to 8,000 outside. So one game, you could raise at least um, 50, 60 grand, you know, in one game. That's been New Zealand money. OK, and, and, and you expect that if you had matches like this being played, Champions League matches being played at home, you think that would sell out, those crowds would happen? Of course, we've done in the past. We've done in the past. Uh, 
We uh, there was at uh, four year, uh, three years, two years ago. We did home in the way. It works, and also too, um, uh, it's a good crowd. You know, it's a very good crowd. I mean, Auckland City, Watakere had some good experience in in Vanuatu, and and the crowd is amazing. The crowd, you know. Now we're going to New Zealand this time and uh, just play uh, for three games and ten thousand dollars entry fee. It's nothing, you know. It's for us. Uh, it's a lot of money, but it's a waste of time and and we waste of investment. Especially when you go to Auckland and you got only three to four hundred people are watching the game. And the, that doesn't um, make sense for me. That's the Amical FC club owner Andrew Leong. Organisers of the inaugural Savai Games in Samoa believe the event will continue to grow in years to come. The multi-sport games comprises a 22.3km swim between the islands of Upolo and Savai on Thursday, a 180km round the island cycle race on Saturday, before concluding with the island's first ever marathon next weekend. The event organiser is Seti Afoa. The Upolo Savai swim on the 7th, that's the... 22.3 kilometres swim across Annapolis uh, Strait. This is the longest swim in the southern hemisphere. That in itself is a massive undertaking for that swim to be healthy in Samoa. And we can't get a bigger opening to our games than that. Two days after the 7th on the 9th, we have uh, first cycle race around Savai uh, one day. It's 180k. In uh, New Zealand, we prepare that the total with 160k's. We have a 180k race uh, and beautiful scenery around Savai. We are hoping to grow that event bigger next year, of course. Uh, and then we have a marathon. Uh, the very first marathon will be held uh, in Savai. Uh, and uh, this marathon is different. It's point to point. Uh, we start at the lava field in Salaola and finish at uh, Salaola. The half marathon will start at Asanga uh, and finish at Salaola. The 10K at Fanga, uh, the 5K at Lalo Malaba, the 3K at Salilavalu. Uh, and they all finish at Salaola. Uh, so that's a way to differentiate uh, Savai Marathon with other marathons or races that are out and back. What sort of interest have you got for these events? How many are you expecting to uh, rock up? The Paul Savai Swim, there are eight swimmers altogether are coming for that event. That includes team members. The interest in the Savai Paul Swim is actually much bigger than that. But given the lead time for preparation, a lot of people that were hoping to come up for this swim uh, we now have to come next year. So you basically need to uh, qualify for the swim. The cutoff for that was in January. So you have to uh, swim 10 kilometres in under four hours. We had qualifications in Auckland and some in Australia. Pretty much any 10k race you can swim that in your official time will be taken into consideration. 20 riders for the uh, ride around today. And the, uh, the marathon, well, we'll have 30 runners from, uh, from Upolu going across. We have several out of Auckland and uh, four out of Australia. So I think for the first of eight games, that's a really, really exciting start. So, of course, next year's dates are already out. And what sort of people are entering these sorts of events? Are they regular athletes, or is it some people that just want to give this thing a go? We have a local team going through, so uh, there's three swimmers uh, going through. That's the only local participation we have at this point for this year's swim. And the rest coming across you know, are people who have had something in their bucket list to do on our big birthday. We have a 60-year-old out of New Zealand, Brian Burmester out of Whangamatar. Her son, Moss Burmester, swam for New Zealand, of course, in the Commonwealth and the Olympic Games. But she's doing a swim to celebrate 60 years. We have a doctor out of Auckland who turns 50 on the day of the swim. So that's his birthday present himself. So that's a kind of level of entry that we are getting and interest from the people who want to do the swim next year. It's just a milestone in their lives. That's the organiser of the inaugural Savai Games, Seti R4. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinny Wiley, as always. Thank you very much for listening.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.